Bomb Jack. It's our Sinclair episode 91. Hi everybody, welcome to Ars Sinclair. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're talking about Bomb Jack. Alright, Bomb Jack. Bomb Jack. Yeah. Yeah. The old Bomb Jack. <laughs> We've been on this road a few times now, haven't we? <laughs> you know, when you hear the name Bomb Jack, yeah. what immediately pops into your mind? This game. Yeah. <laughs> does, it, does, it, does it fill you with delight? No, oh, I mean, listen, you know... This is one of those games. Wait, okay, okay. Oh, I'm going to set the stage here. Yeah. What you were right about here. to say is not important. All right. Okay, let's say you walk into an arcade, yeah. okay, and line up against the wall. You got Ms. Pac-Man, yeah. Donkey Kong, yeah. Mr. Do, yeah. and Bomb Jack. Yeah. Where's Bomb Jack going to go on your playlist? Very, out very last, the game on the mm. playlist there, Bode. Mm. But here's the thing, all right, as I was getting ready to say, so there was a nice uh, interruption there to my main point, which was, Bomb Jack, until recently, let's say the past year, year and a half, was this arcade game that I'd never played because it sounded dumb, mm -hmm. and I never cared to play it because it looked sort of dumb, mm -hmm. right? I just did what I wasn't interested. I never played it, right? But this year, I have gotten a chance to play it on multiple systems now and uh, understand what it is. So at least now there's no longer this void in my arcade knowledge as where Bomb Jack... There's some games like that. You see them, they've been around forever, and you're like, hey... You know, like Guzzler or something. A game like that, not everyone would know about. Mm -hmm. Or Action Fighters, another one that we covered. It was just like, no one cares about it. It's in the arcade, but does it necessarily warrant a port? Right. You know? Do you think Bomb Jack, the arcade game, warranted a por porting to all these machines? Well, I think that it has something that uh, lots of uh, porters wanted. Yeah. And that's ease of use. Yeah. And to me, I don't think this is the most difficult game in the world to port when you compare it to, say, something like Donkey Kong. I think Donkey Kong, there's a lot more going on in terms of the AI, in terms of the physics. Yeah. Bomb Jack just seems like it's something that they could get out there. It was fairly well known. The license probably wasn't <laughs> nearly as expensive as some of the other games, too. Yeah. But Bomb Jack reminds me a lot of that other game that I've been introduced to so many times on here. The one where you shoot the spear gun at the balloons. Pang. We played that with Pang. That's yeah. another one. Now, I'd see Pang, and what was the other name for Pang? It had another Buster name. Brothers. Yeah. I'd see that in the arcade, and I'd look at it, and it had the gimmick, it had the background, and I was like, eh, I'm not interested in that one. Once I played it, at least I could understand what was going on. So you got to fill in those little gaps. Yeah. Even if it's not your bag. You know, it's funny you bring up Pang, yeah. uh, Bomb Jack. These are games that are pretty well known for having these trip around the world feel to them yeah. where you're visiting different locales. Where would the West Virginia backdrop be set in Bomb Jack? Well, I'm trying to go with the most scenic, picturesque point that people would know. And I can't think of any. I don't think there's a single point in the entire state that you could put a camera on, take a picture, and hold it up, and everyone in the whole United States would know where it well, was. Well, I don't think there's five places in the United States that that, that would be Well, the I don't case. know. That, but most places have something they could put up there. Like, okay, what would North Carolina have? Exactly. No idea. They've got... Uh, uh, they got a bunch of mountains, they just got, like we do. they got the beach. Like, you could have a It looks pretty, like the beach. But, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's picturesque. Listen, I'm telling you two well, things okay, right off the Kill top Devil of my Hills. head. Okay. How about that? It looks like a bunch of sand dunes. Well, Nobody's no. going to recognize I that. I would. I know. Okay. Um, number one, Seneca Rocks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Immediately identifiable. Now, not everybody knows what it is, but once you see it, it's unique. I mean, we know it. And two, the bridge. 
The bridge. Now you're right. The yeah, bridge. The that would be the, Auburn's bridge. Not that one. By the way, the approach to that bridge is like playing Moon Patrol. <laughs> the, it's cratered. Like I couldn't believe the damage my car took. Do you and have the, to drive across that? I to did get to, to the, 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 the camp. To go to the camp. I did, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. The the, the New, New River, River Gorge, Gorge Bridge. bridge. Mm-hmm. That would be our thing. That would be a nice backdrop yeah. too. Yeah. You know, but. Otherwise, I mean, Mothman. But I think we fit. kill North Carolina in terms of scenic places that are unique. Well, they got all those beaches too. But that—that's that, a beach looks like any other beach. Yeah, it's but they're still unique. scenic. And the good thing about them is they're all scenic. Well, it's they're all full of West one. Virginians. That's for sure. That's true because we don't got one. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Let's talk about Bomb Jack. That had some awesome music. I don't remember being in this release. Yeah. Bomb Jack. The 48K Spectrum, uh, not quite capable of producing those exact tones. However, there is a little bit of background music in this game, if you can call the sounds of the bounding leaps of Mr. Jack. Yeah, I don't call that music. I call that bloop, bloop, blops and bloops is what I call that boat. Mm. Yeah, there's no music in this to speak of. Had to put something there, didn't you? Don't have just empty empty nothing. Yeah, and speaking of not having empty nothing, before we move on, it's time to give a shout-out to Clive's Club, Aaron. They're All the right. group that, that picked this game for us. Big props <coughs> to Mr. Rocket, Mitsuyama, Richard Goulstone, Paul Harrington, McChessers, Jed Byrne, Justin Tenpot Gamer, Orc Meal, and Paul, a.k.a. Hermski. Thank mm. you, guys. Well done, boys. So, Boat, we have played Bomb Jack now on the Amiga, and then we're having our turn over here at R. Sinclair. Uh, this one, this particular rendition of Bomb Jack, released in uh, 1986, uh, converted over by Paul Holmes. Now listen to Paul Holmes, uh, some of the stuff he's worked on, we've played. Get this, he did a lot of stuff with the old Amiga, Hunter. Yeah, we love that game. No Excuses, Spitting Image, mm-hmm. we hated that, that game. Was not that great. was horrible. Trivial Pursuit, Power Play. Uh, he Remember also- Trivial Pursuit on the ST? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Uh, he also uh, worked on uh, Bomb Jack 2 and Frank Bruno Boxing. And I looked, he did a lot of quality assurance testing for about a million games. Mm. So I don't know if that's how he broke in or that's what he ended up doing. Uh, this also was worked on by Andrew G. Williams. Andy Williams. Yeah, he worked on Paperboy on the Amiga. And he did a lot of CPC stuff, including Airwolf, one mm-hmm. of the games that we... Mm, uh, Dragon's Lair for the Super Nintendo. Ooh. <laughs> Live and Let Die for the Amstrad, and some levels for XCOM on the PlayStation. There's a lot of PlayStation stuff. Isn't that the thing that Brent made those levels for, too? No, that was an XCOM. That was Battlezone. Oh, okay. And then uh, then, uh, Karen at Truman did the Magnificent Load Screen. And I saw she only only did one other load screen, which was Commando. Yeah, and since we're talking about load screens, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you saw a special load screen that was done by our own Pajaco6502. So thank you, Pajaco. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was a beauty, wasn't it? Very nice. Uh, The original price for this bad boy, £7.95p. Okay, mid-price. Yeah, Uh, a two-player hot seat excursion into the 48K realm of the ZX. Uh, the usual suspects. Now, this got released for a million different machines. I was stunned at this, really. Listen to this releases. Aside from the Amstrad, you had the Atari ST, the Commodore 16, the Plus 4, <laughs> no, the 64, the Game Boy. Uh, it got a phone release, uh, the old two, uh, J2ME, J2 Mofun, 
the Nintendo Switch, the PC-88, the 98, the PS4, the SG-1000 Boy, got a port of this. you guys should spin the wheel on ports on this game on ARG. I mean, it is a lot of ports. What is the MoFun? I don't know what that is. Listen, you know it's good because it's MoFun and everything else, brother. Yeah. Um, this was based on the arcade game. Now, I didn't know. I don't think I ever looked this up and looked into it like I did this time. Produced by an outfit called uh, uh, Tekken, T-E-H-K-A-N, Tekken. This eventually became Tecmo. Yeah, all right? Tecmo Which, sounds cooler. Yeah, got that right. Designed by uh, uh, Michitaka... Uh, Saruta, uh, mm-hmm. who did Guzzler, which I just mentioned. If you ever played Guzzler, you know I, I can't remember that one. That's what the one where do? you're like in a you're a bottle of water. I think you have to go around and keep from being full or empty. I think a, I don't know that I've played that. One. It's a pretty neat game. Yeah, it, it was like... a hallmark and staple in the old Starcade show okay. back in the day. Now get this: this was also designed by uh, uh, Kazushi Udia, who gets some uh, props from Mister Do, Ladybug. He did Bonk's Revenge. He directed Bonk's Adventure. So this had a pretty good pedigree out mm-hmm. of Japan. This thing was released way back in Japan in March of 84. And uh, got a North American release in October. And in Europe, it was also released about the same time. Uh, so it did well for these guys. Here's something I didn't know, by the way. This is Tekken. That, tech, uh, that Tekken was a company that started in 1967 as a supplier of cleaning equipment. <laughs> So how they made the leap? They pivoted a little bit. From cleaning equipment <laughs> well, to video game. Let's producer. not let's not forget the the Connecticut Leather Company. Yeah, I know. It's still, the- <laughs> it still struck me as funny. Uh, Tekken, which became Techno, is mostly known for dead, the Dead or Alive series. If you look at the other stuff that they had, it, a lot of it's more stuff for Japan, like Gallop Racer and Monster Rancher. But Rygar was a big hit for them, too. It's another one. Well, there's also the, their, uh, probably the most famous uh, sports titles of all well, time. Well, I was on getting to that one. Yeah, Techno, the Techno Bowls. Yeah. Which you are a fan of, as I recall. Absolutely. So absolutely. there you go. So the pedigree was there for the old uh, Bomb Jack. So here we are. Bomb Jack pops up. You want to talk about what you do in this game? Yeah. So Bomb Jack is a single screen action platformer in which you, the titular Bomb Jack, uh, go ahead. What? No, I'm glad you well said. Uh, you are tasked with uh, defusing bombs. Uh, you defuse bombs by touching them and making them disappear. Just like real life. Uh, just like real life. I think that's what the Hurt Locker did. <laughs> is that what? So. What you do in Bomb Jack is after you defuse all of the bombs, you travel to the next location in the world and defuse more bombs. The way that scoring works is if you defuse a lit bomb, you get more points. And the bombs sort of, uh, they light in a certain pattern. And the pattern is always kind of pseudo-random. I'm sure if you're good at this game, it's not pseudo-random. You know exactly what to do. But it seems to me that the bomb that gets lit... Uh, is always in a different place on each level. And so the challenge of the game is to collect all of the bombs without touching any of the enemies. Uh, the enemies uh, go into the... Uh, they, they, they sort of teleport into the stage. They beam in. They beam in, that's right. And uh, they some of them sort of head towards you. Some of them just sort of meander around. Uh, there are, uh, the, the enemy sprites uh, kind of look like, uh, there's there's flying things, like they look like hummingbirds. Bug, uh, there, bug there's stuff. robot yeah. things. There's a wide variety of things that you can, you can do. Now, 
Uh, the power-ups come in fo the form of, uh, like, they sort of look like spinning uh, beach balls. Uh, and they have a P on them, and they have an E on them, I believe. And uh, one of them... is a B, too. A B. Yeah. I think a P and B is what I'm thinking of. Uh, and uh, if you hit the, if you collect the P, it turns all of the enemies into uh, collectible objects. Yeah. And so that's how you can, it's sort of the power pellet in this game. Did I do a good job, Aaron? Well, I mean, yeah, there's not a ton to it, but the, the, the main thing that I didn't learn is until we covered this before is the pattern of the fuses going up, mm -hmm. which I, I remember we read that like the real skilled players like can memorize all this stuff. We're not that. No. But I will say, uh, this this is your classic single screen jump around like a goof game. We've right, we've played a ton of these things over the really, years. Really, you know, if you look at the the year that this was released, 1984, which I consistently tell you is the greatest year of arcade games of all time. Yeah. This came out in a very, very heavy field. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot in the arcades that was going on, and I think it was to its detriment because... This sort of game, 1984, is probably the last year that you could get away with putting out a game of this this sort of graphical fidelity uh, in the arcades. But it makes for a really great game to port to home systems because it is sort of on that lower end of uh, what was possible in the arcades at the time. Well, I will say, when this came out, now, I did see this. It's not like I played it, but I did see it. And, and of course, it also, we saw the home for the, the, the selling point really t was the graphical backgrounds, right? The gimmick that looked cool. I mean, the game itself doesn't look anything special. But I think that the backgrounds looked cool enough to where you could sort of... It wasn't like a complete dog. Well, to me, the selling point of this game and the reason why this game is worth playing is this game takes the traditional platform conceit, one of the foundational platform conceits, and turns it on its ear. What is the foundational uh, thing that you do in every platforming game? You jump. Yeah. Okay? And the way that you jump is always limited. Uh, you either have a very small leap or you have a leap that if you, if you fall a certain distance, you die. Right. In this game, you are bomb freaking Jack. You are a superhero. You can see on the side of the screen, there's a, uh, there's a, a portrait of Mr. Jack. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you what do you think? Do you think he looks rad? I, he does. In fact, I think that in some ways, and we haven't really got into the ZX uh, Spectre version exclusively, but I will say, as far as fill up the screen with some crap goes, they fill up. The, if you're gonna put something over there, you could put the name or whatever. But having a cool picture of the guy looking sort of like uh, concentrative, mm -hmm. I like it. He yeah. looked. I, in fact, that's the. I never really thought about what Bomb Jack looked like in the face. Mm -hmm. Now I know. That's it right. It looks pretty cool. That's right. And so Bomb Jack flies up into the air as high as you want him to. Yeah. As long as you're holding up the up button, you or the up direction, he's going to fly, fly, fly. Yeah. Okay. And so this makes the game a whole, it, this is what adds the strategy to the game because it's easy to fly up to the top of the screen, but you have a controlled descent where you can push left and right on the stick and kind of guide your landings. And that's very important because that's where a lot of the times the enemies will get you is when you're trying to come down and land on a platform or land back on the ground. Yeah. It's, this is, a, for someone like me, that is, these are games that are not my speciality, as you know. But even in the realm of your bubble bobbles and your all that ilk, this is a weird game. Because even those, like you said, they have the usual limitations, more or less. This one is, 
you've it's a it's a, 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 a it's a smorgasbord of jumping, and you jump way more than you land. And so it's one of those games where you almost have to be more pay more attention to where you land, and you also have to pay attention to how you control your jump. It's an it's an odd game, mm-hmm. and it's and it's hard to get used to. I mean, it's just one of those games. Now we've played it now a couple times, but I've had to go back to getting in a sort of mindset to play it. Uh, and but I mean, it is. I will say, it gives you a different feeling too than the other games, which is a good thing. It's unique in that area to have you jump around. Now, and the fact that they added, you know, me and you have both talked about how we liked arcade games that give you some kind of different ways to play, you know, and this one does that with the fuses on the bombs, and I don't normally play that way because I'm no good, you know, but I do occasionally try to do, to uh, be a big man and wait till all the bomb fuses are going, try to get that extra, extra points, try to jack your point total up, and it is fun, and I like the option of it to be there. Uh, I will say, as, as I ebb in towards the uh, ZX version, uh, you know, this this game was a vert in the arcade, vertical game, and so I like what they did here. They, they you know, this is they didn't reinvent the wheel, but they stuck the side, they stuck all the screen filling baloney on the side, and it, this is one of those games that needs the baloney. Mm-hmm. You don't want this to be full screen. You need it to be more vertical, and they pulled it off. I mean, when you, if you think about the basic, what do you need for Bomb Jack, right? You need the cool picture in the background, all right? Check. I think the Spectrum does an outstanding job rendering some cool pictures. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? It looks great. They look great. Uh, uh, secondly, what do you need? You need the controls on Bomb Jack to be solid. This is a game where if you don't have solid controls, you're boned. Yeah. You don't have a game. And we've seen that happen to other games that look good, but they couldn't get the job done in the control department. Listen, I didn't have any problems controlling Bomb Jack. I thought he controlled pretty well. Uh, I mean, I, I I never thought I was getting screwed by the game. Now there are some there are some things that the ZX can't get proper, like when one enemy overlaps another one, you can sort of see the box go along with the stuff like that. Of course, the usual color issues. But for the most part, control wise, I thought the game played well. Now, how does it compare to the arcade in terms of playability? They're very similar, I thought, in terms of uh, overall f- feel. I went back and tried the arcade version again this week because I hadn't played it for a while. I mean, you get the same. If I took this home and I liked Bomb Jack in the arcade, I feel like I'd be okay with it uh, at home. I, well, did, did you have a similar experience? Well, I spent a lot of time playing all the versions of, uh, of, of this. Now, are you going to, do you have any stats? Cause I didn't want to forget about this. Do you have any stats on the spectrum version about who does, you know, who ported it or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Uh, the, yeah, I mentioned it. Remember? Oh, uh, it was Paul way back Holmes in the beginning. All, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, this, I'll tell you what you need to have a good port of bomb Jack. This is very similar to uh, the different versions of Puyan that are out there. Yes. In that when you have a game that requires you to cover a lot of vertical space, you have to design your characters so they're small enough that you get that feeling of covering a large vertical space. Yeah. And that is something that the Spectrum version does very, very well. They absolutely made the right choice of putting the, uh, the, uh, the the sort of HUD on the side of the screen. So you can, so it sort of simulates having a vertical orientation on the monitor. Yeah. I wish more games would have done that. You can almost get like the best of both worlds mm-hmm. because you've got more horizontal space than you do in the arcade, but you've still got that vertical height that you, and you said perfectly. You need that in a game like this 
to simulate the distance of jumping. Because otherwise, everything feels very cramped. Yeah. And the game feels more unfair. Uh, I took a look at every version of the game that I could run on the Mister. Really? So I wow. looked at the uh, I looked at the Game Boy version. I looked at the Amstrad version. I looked at the C sixty four version, the Amiga version, and the NES version. The wackiest version is definitely the NES version because it's not even the same game. I've played that version. I, don't, I remember not liking. This it very is much. The, in the in the early days of the NES. There was a, a, a somewhat unspoken rule, and this has never been confirmed. But one of the things that people always say is that Nintendo went to all of these people that were making arcade ports and saying, listen, if you're going to make a port for the NES, it needs to be different than the arcade version because we want them to have a different sort of experience. And you see that in another Tecmo game, Rygar, which is much more like, it's like a, it's like a Zelda type game. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, several of those NES games that are right, like that. Bionic yeah. Commando is similar. So anyway... Uh, this game, it turns it into a side-scrolling type uh, uh, ordeal. And it, to, ordeal. To, to, you know, it is an ordeal. It's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's remember liking it. My brother rented it. I remember not yeah. liking it at all. And so for a long time, I think that's part of what put me off this game is I was never a fan of the NES version. The yeah. arcade version and the Spectrum version, all the computer versions, way better than the NES version. Um, but I will say, in all fairness, out of playing all of these, the C64 is hands down the worst. It's the dirt worst because they did everything wrong. They made the sprites super big. They made the screen square so you don't have any room to run around. And it also runs just dirt slow. Yeah. Just molasses. Is there any slow. brown involved in that? Well, there's your usual brown and purple slime that covers everything, too. The best. <laughs> this this the, is why you don't host Sprite Castle, by the way. <laughs> the best version of the game is actually the Amstrad CPC version. Really? Yeah, the CPC version has sound, it has music. And it has better colors, but other than that, it is identical to the, the ZX Spectrum version in terms of the aspect I ratio. I see, so they just improved with the ZX exactly. version. Exactly. I have okay. a feeling that it was based on the ZX Spectrum version. They just prettied it up a little bit. Mm, I see. I like it. I mean, I haven't tried that one. You know, I I think this, though, it, uh, is totally worth playing. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is one of this and Rainbow Islands. It's neck and neck for the best arcade port on the ZX. Yeah, and this is the kind of game the ZX can pull off in its sleep. This is mm. one game, and you know, it also a lot of it goes down to your the people that put it together. I mean, like I said, this is when you have a goal that is uh, obtainable, mm -hmm. it gives you a chance to put something together that you know that you can be proud yeah, of. Yeah, and I mean stuff. that's the thing. I think with a game like this, they didn't spend a lot of development time in trying to fit or how do we reimagine this game yeah. so it fits on the spectrum. They could pretty much just say, let's just do what the arcade game does on the spectrum and they pulled it off. Did, so was there, was there anything you didn't like about it? Um, you know, I would have I would have loved, you know, hearing a little bit more beeper music. Maybe a little, you know, in between each stage, having a little tune that might play. Yeah. Um, there are some stages where the contrast is really weird. If we're looking at the stage we're working on right now, I guess this is like a night stage. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of not being able to see things well. Yeah. So I probably would have avoided that. But on the whole, you know, this isn't my favorite arcade game, but... Uh, the more that I played this version, the more that I appreciated it, and I did not get that feeling playing the Amiga version, where I just I just wanted to hate it. So. I uh, this game is sort of I mean I don't want to say it's beneath the Amiga, but I mean also at this point you know it's just it's been around for a while by the time the Amiga got hold of it. Well, so was Marble Madness. Yeah, well that's know. true. Of course, that was an early Amiga title. I think this was a little bit later, but 
Uh, you know, you know, it's funny getting back to the NES one for a second. I remember seeing that Bomb Jack game perpetually available to rent at every place I went, and nobody was renting it. Yeah. Nobody. It was it's, like the joke game. It's the perfect example of an early NES game that tried to be more than it was and was poorly designed. Yeah. Uh, this game, though, I mean, the things I didn't like, I would have liked. Of course, I'd like to have some music, but that goes without saying. And and effects are better. And I will say the hit detection is a little. I mean, usually in your favor, but mm-hmm. it's a little. I mean, it gives there you were, that, a little overlap. There were times yeah. where I seemed to pass through an enemy unscathed. Yeah, it was yeah. a little. There's a little overlap. So, I mean, I guess you can't complain if it helps you, right. you know. But it does. It did help you. It had plenty of. You know, it had all the options you would expect from a, a more modern uh, ZX game in terms of controls and stuff. So. I don't really mean bad things uh, to say about it. I think it's a. I mean, again, I believe you pretty much summed it up. It's not my favorite game, but I mean, it's not bad. I've actually grown to enjoy it more than I used to, and this is a, uh, a beyond serviceable version of, the, yeah, of that. Yeah, some, at some point, uh, you should take a look at the uh, the the CPC version because yeah. it takes everything that's great about this and just gives it a little bit of lipstick. I will. I'll give, I'll give it. A try. Did we get any uh, sweet sweet action on the Discord? Mode? We we did. Uh, we're going to start with McChessers, and everybody settle in, because as always on uh, Arson Sinclair, my favorite part of this show, we've got so many intelligent reviewers, Aaron, oh, so yeah. many people that are smarter than us that know their Thank stuff. God. We start with McChessers. He says, Bomb Jack on the Specky was the first game I ever played that was acquired as a digital download. Get this, Aaron. This is uh-huh. a great story. My dad, who loved a gadget, owned a modem for his Spectrum that allowed him to connect to a service called Micronet. This offered, amongst other things, games that could be purchased, downloaded, and saved to tape. Crazy, huh? That is weird. He wasn't really into games himself and only tried it the one time to prove that it worked, but Bomb Jack was a great choice that quickly became one of my favorites. I eventually got pretty good at flying the diminutive superhero around and memorizing the patterns of fizzing bombs to get that all-important score bonus. And I was delighted when I finally got to try the arcade version and found that many of the same skills still applied. The controls and level layouts are pretty spot on, and it even does a decent job at replicating the colorful black backgrounds within the limitations of the Specky's palette. Its flaws are a little more obvious now that I'm older. The collision detection isn't perfect. Some indication that your eat the enemy's power is going to run out would be nice. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And, I and do, it goes quick. Yeah, and I do miss the jaunty soundtrack of the coin op. But as arcade to specky conversions go, this is top tier stuff. Nine out of ten. Mm. Check this out, Aaron. Orc Meal has a treat for us. In Shakespeare's honor, this month's review comes in pentameter verse. Holy smokes, I don't know what that means. A strange and alien creature must I be, that ne'er I played this bomb jack in my life. So with untinted glasses I perceived this game today, and gladly will attest that first its weird controls soon turn to fun, as game by game the mastery slowly grows. And second, while the game seems strangely quiet, especially to its noisy arcade twin, its silence helps indeed to keep your wits to face the challenge of each level fresh. So finally, when all is said and done, this game's addictive and quite simply fun. Ah, uh, outstanding. What a, what a genius orc meal is. Yes. Pajaco6502 writes, Weirdly, this game was never my jam back in the old days. There was a cabinet in my local arcade, but I just never cared for it. 
It's only since playing the original High Score Challenge on the Amigos for Bomb Jack Beer Edition that I have come to appreciate Bomb Jack for the true classic it is. The Specky port is hands down the best original home conversion, and yeah, I'm including the 16 bits. The Specky version retains a lot of the arcade original. There's plenty of space to maneuver and the whole thing nips along at a rapid pace, making it very playable and very addictive. The sprite collision can be a bit harsh and the monochrome graphics can get a little messy on the darker levels, but you get used to it. As with other versions, there is an element of luck with the starting position of the bird and whether or not the game chooses to award you with extra lives or bonus points, but it means the game is never quite the same each playthrough. A home version so good, you never have to go back to the arcade to play the original. 9 out of 10. Very nice. Will Brooker writes, There are several contenders for the best arcade port on the Spectrum. R-Type, Chase HQ, Robocop among them. But the games from the mid-1980s without all the fancy whistles and bells are easier to adapt than the late 80s machines. And so Bomb Jack, unpretentious, clean, effortlessly playable, has a surprisingly strong case for being a simply the best. The original has the feel of an overground dig dug with jumping replacing drilling and the bonus pill that turns your enemies into targets gives it a Pac-Man element. The backgrounds take you on a world tour from Egypt through Rome and Germany to a disappointingly generic New York City that looks more like Chicago. Then again, if those are meant to be the Twin Towers, diffusing bombs against that setting would now seem tasteless. Mm. The hazy lights of Los Angeles are particularly effective. The Spectrum translates those astonishingly well, retaining color and detail while not cluttering up the game space. It would have been so tempting for the coders to just drop the backgrounds and reproduce the game with basic platforms, but they committed to recreating the game's distinctive aesthetic and succeeded brilliantly. Returning to it now, I find it challenging but addictive, with a fluid, instinctive gameplay. An unlikely choice, but I think this might actually be one of the best games on the ZX Spectrum, and it stands the test of time with flair. Eight out of ten. Wow. Man, these... It's over, brother. D-Man writes, Great action platformer, great port, and always a contender when a quick blast of frantic action, arcade action, is called for. It is also a game I can review without any hint of the old rose tinted specs as I neither had Bomb Jack for the Spectrum back in the 80s, nor can I remember ever playing the original in the arcade, so it's a game I've come to know relatively recently, although recently is probably 15 plus years now. <laughs> Obviously, the gameplay still stands up, and it's a classic. Z9K9 writes, Like most of the other conversions, this lacks the arcade speed, room to maneuver, and other subtle behaviors, but once you've acclimatized, it's still a compelling game in its own right. Variations in enemy placement throughout the levels and hints of randomness stop it being mindlessly loopable. The wonderfully distinctive controls which let you soar to the roof of the world in a single balletic bound in alternation with the skillful tap dance of a controlled descent are mostly present, the down key doesn't seem to speed your descent here, and the kinesthetic pleasure abides. 8 out of 10. Man. Bomb Jack testing my reading Z9K9's uh, got quite a vocabulary, yeah. doesn't he? Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, our final review. He says a Herm, firm, 10 out of 10. Oh! This has got to be one of my favorite games for the Spectrum. A very addictive, playable game that's still as good today as it was back in the 80s, a game that I frequently come back to. Play for getting through levels at ease or gamble on huge bonuses by collecting bombs in order. Bomb Jack really made the Spectrum shine with its great graphics, responsive control, and fast-moving characters, 
but still a simple game to play. And Aaron, we want to also, oh, we actually have one more review, a late, a late comer, Pixels at Dawn. Just under the wire. Just under the wire. He says, <laughs> Bomb Jack is one of those games that I always sit down to play wherever I see it at an event. I understand it well enough, and while I may not be the best player, I know I will always have a good time. This is a stellar Spectrum port. I played Bomb Jack and Bomb Jack 2 over and over back in the day, and while it was only later with the arcade version on MAME that I really started to understand the mechanics, knowing the intricacies is not required. The key benefit of this port is that sprites are only complex enough as needed to make the game readable. It has really been scaled down perfectly and works just right with the monochrome graphics, while still having some great backgrounds. One of the best ports on the system, 9 out of 10. Wow. And of course, we can't forget about the monthly Specky High Score Challenge, Aaron. This month, it was faster and furiouser than ever before. Uh, Pajaco6502 managed to grab victory from all-time champ Z9K9. Whoa. You know you got to be a man to beat the man. Yeah, I've heard that. And so uh, congratulations score. to Pajaco for breaking the million-point barrier. Very, wow, very Z9K9 good. at 989 and Tin Pot Gamer in third <laughs> place. We also want to congratulate Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, Orkmeal, and myself for participating. At least you got in there, bud. That's right. I got in there. Just to take this to the house. Uh, this got good reviews, as you can imagine. Crash gave this a 92. Uh, Your Sinclair gave it a 90. It won a second best platformer of 86 in the Crash Reader Awards. And it, uh, the CVG hit was also given to it. So it did pretty well uh, in the rankings. If you should uh, want to pick this up now, uh, should you be so uh, motivated, eBay. <clears throat> these actually, there are a ton of these. Uh, I saw uh, people asking between ten and twenty-four bucks. I saw these sell for between six and eighteen bucks. So if you wait around for a while, you can probably get one. Paying twenty-four bucks for a cassette—I don't know about that, Bodes. No. But hey, it happens sometimes, I guess, when people want it real bad. All right, Aaron, it's time to bid a fond farewell to Bomb Jack. Uh, until you, the next time. <laughs> until the next time. We've got Bomb Jack 2. We got, hey, they, there's an ST port. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, if you want to support our Sinclair, uh, feel free to visit patreon.com slash our Sinclair. Uh, we can uh, give you access to our Discord server where you can post a review that we'll read for the games. You get a hot, sexy magnet. Not really that hot or sexy. They're pretty sexy. Yeah, at the at the end of the, the, this one, this uh, this year's featured uh, Clive driving a C five. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's sexy. that's as sexy, sexy as it gets. What yeah. are you talking about? Uh, if we can reach two hundred dollars a month in Patreon support, our Sinclair will warp. It will morph into a weekly program, and that would oh, be man. super cool. And that leads us to our our Sinclair roll call. So thank you to Chris Munch, Pajaco sixty five zero two, Will Brooker, Wanderly Chesham. Stephen Wilcott, Chartel, Nathan Mills, Doug Berry, Jigglebox, David Terrace, Andrew Waite, Eric Nelson, Captain Crispy, Laurent Giroux, Mark Downey, Peter Mulholland, Chris Folds, Mark Durham, and Pixels at Dawn. Thank you. Aaron, what do we got coming up next time? It's Bob Jack Six. No, <laughs> let's see what we got. Super Hang On! Super Hang On. Again, we're going to do that one now. That'll be fun. So, we've done motorcycle games on the Spectrum before, yeah. but we've never done Super Hang On. In yeah. fact, we've only done Super Hang On once ever yeah. on any of our podcasts, yeah. and it was way, way back in the early days of Amigos. So, I'm looking forward 
to diving back in. Maybe this one's going to come with some sort of plastic thing you can ride. That would be cool. I was just thinking the same thing. That they should put those in. How much could it possibly cost for a life-size plastic motorcycle with all the electronics? That's true. That's true. All included in the £7.99 right. price tag. What a deal. Guys, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. And until then, rewind tape and press play.